Well, we are looking tonight again at the subject of spiritual gifts, and this is our fifth week on this subject. So far, we, uh, of course, are focusing on chapters 12 through 14 of 1 Corinthians, and so far we have seen the importance of spiritual gifts. We looked at the purpose of spiritual gifts. Then we spent some time on the diversity of the spiritual gifts. And then we went to the categories of spiritual gifts. And under that, we have three uh, categories. We have the gifted men. We spent a little time on that one. And then uh, the permanent edifying gifts. And uh, we went through all of those gifts and what they are and uh, how they're to be employed. Uh, So tonight, we're going to go to the temporary sign gifts. The temporary sign gifts. There are four of these listed only in 1 Corinthians 12. These gifts are not in uh, Romans. But these four are miracles, healings, languages, and the interpretation of languages. Now, we're only going to deal with the first two tonight because we will get to the other two when we get to 1 Corinthians 13. But let's spend a few minutes, first of all, on the gift of miracles. The gift of miracles. Now, let me say something uh, right from the beginning, because I don't want anyone walking out of here tonight uh, when we're done saying the pastor doesn't believe in miracles. I am not going to say that God can't do miracles. Of course he can. God can and does what he chooses to do in his sovereign will, as long as it is in keeping with his nature. And I'm not trying to put any limitations on God whatsoever. What I am doing is merely categorizing his operation and being fair to Scripture. So please don't say that I don't believe God performs miracles. I believe He does. In fact, He does them every single day, and the greatest miracle of all is when He saves a sinner. John talked about those Bibles and God using His Word just to save a sinner in a hotel room uh, or somewhere else. And That's the greatest miracle of all. But I believe I have seen miraculous things that God has done as his providence is at work in the lives of his people. However, having said that, the spiritual gift of miracles is a different matter. That is totally different. I don't believe this special gift is still in operation today. It was one of the temporary sign gifts that God gave to validate the authority of the apostles, and it has now ceased. But let's back up a minute and look at this a little more closely. First of all, I think it would be good for us to define what we mean by miracle. What do we mean by that? And we use the word miracle in a lot of different ways. For example, you might say, you know, it'll be a miracle if I find a parking place. Now, that 
might be a way of expressing something that could be difficult, but that is a far cry from a divine intervention like the virgin birth of Christ. It's a long, it's a totally different uh, thing altogether. So what is a miracle? A miracle is a supernatural intrusion into the natural law which can have no other explanation than that God is acting. That's what a miracle is. For example, suppose a man builds a model city. And in this huge model city, the cars, trains, and lights actually work. And he runs everything from a remote control electronic board. But every once in a while, he will pick something up from one place and move it to another place. And let's just say you are alive in that model city. And you might say, wait a minute, what's going on here? That building used to be over here, now it's over here. What's happening? That is an illustration of a miracle. God created the universe. He usually lets it run on its own, but every once in a while, in accordance with his sovereign purpose, he picks something up and he moves it, in essence. Or he does something supernatural. In other words, he will, at times, raise someone from the dead. He will make an axe head float on the water. Or he will part the Red Sea just so people don't forget that he's running the show. A miracle is something that has no other explanation than that God supernaturally did it. Now, the second thing we need to understand is the purpose for miracles. And I think the best place for us to go to see what God says the purpose for miracles are is John chapter 2. So turn with me to John 2 for a moment. John chapter 2 and look with me at verse 11. John 2:11 says this beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory And his disciples believed in him. Why did Jesus do miracles? To manifest his glory. What is his glory? It is the composite of his attributes as deity. Why did he do miracles? To reveal himself as God. Miracles are the confirming signs of the revelation of God. Listen, Jesus never performed miracles just for miracles' sake. And there are many passages that bear this out. For example, you're in John 2. Turn over to John 5 and look at verse 36. John 5:36. But the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John. For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do, 
testify about me that the Father has sent me. In other words, Jesus is saying this. He's saying, my heavenly origin and my divine commission is proven by my miracles. Look at uh, John chapter 20. You're in the Gospel of John. Go to John chapter 20 and look at verses 30 and 31. John chapter 20, verse 30. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Jesus did miracles to prove that God was being revealed in him, in his living word. And this is further explained in Acts 2.22. And there the apostle Peter said, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. God wanted all men to know who Jesus was, so he approved of him, established him, and commended him by miracles, wonders, and signs. Why does God do miracles? In order to corroborate his self-disclosure and to confirm his own revelation. Miracles are in Scripture for one purpose, to prove that God is speaking, whether it is in the Old Testament written word, the New Testament living word, Christ himself, or the New Testament written word, written by the apostles. And that's why John never calls miracles miracles. Instead, he calls them signs. Now, God normally operates the universe according to his created natural laws. But when it comes time for God to make a self-revelation, he will, contrary to natural law, make things occur which have no other explanation than that God is revealing himself to men. And it is important for us to see that there have only been a few times, a few periods in history in which miracles were the norm. Not all ages have been miracle ages. And if you study the Old Testament, there really are only two periods of miracles. One is during the revealing of the law through Moses... And the second one is during the lives of Elijah and Elisha when God was laying down the platform of prophetic revelation through his prophets. The rest of the Old Testament contains very few miracles. And there are none at all at the end of the Old Testament. And here again, the purpose... For those Old Testament miracles 
was the same as God's purpose for miracles has always been, and that is to confirm what he is revealing to men through signs and wonders. And that's how the people knew that these men were two true prophets of God. It's the same in the New Testament. Jesus lived 33 years, but for 30 of those years he did not complete one single miracle. He didn't do any miracles. Now, you might read in some of the apocryphal writings that claim otherwise and say, you know, when he was a child, he, he took some mud and he breathed, you know, shaped it into a, a pigeon and, you know, breathed breath. Into, but those are false accounts. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, we know that because we read it well ago. John 2.11 says, this beginning of miracles, signs, Jesus did in Cana. Cana was his first miracle. Before that, he did not do any miracles. And this reiterates the fact that not all ages, times, and periods are intended by God for miracles. Only those times when God wants to reveal himself to man does he do miracles. And we always need to keep that in mind. Jesus never revealed himself as God until he began his public ministry after his baptism. So Jesus never did a single ministry before the hour of his revelation as God. And even though the apostles were also given the ability to perform miracles, to validate their authority as apostles. If you study the book of Acts, you'll notice that the miracles decrease as you go through the book of Acts. And when the apostles begin to disappear, so do the miracles. Listen, God has designed miracles for a single purpose, to confirm his revelation. And once God has revealed himself to men, then the miracles have no continuing purpose. For example, when God finished revealing himself as God in the Old Testament, the miracle period was ended. In the 400-year history between the Old Testament and the New Testament, God gave no revelation and therefore nothing miraculous occurred. And then, in the New Testament, miracles began occurring again. But now that the New Testament is finished, and God's revelation through the New Testament is complete, there are no more miracles needed to confirm His revelation. Now, when I say no more miracles, I believe, of course, that we must allow for God to do a miracle now and then as he chooses. But what I'm saying is miracles are not the norm anymore. Miracles are not the norm. Now, some Christians today, primarily in the charismatic movement, believe that 
Miracles ought to be the norm today. In fact, some even can, uh, even claim that the miracles that we perform today should be greater than the ones we see in the New Testament era. Some say that evangelism is powerless without miracles. But what we need to see from biblical history is not every age is a miracle age. Because it's only during those times when God is revealing something new to men that he consistently performs miracles. And God is not revealing anything new to men in our day and time. He has revealed everything in his completed word. And that's why this spiritual gift, the gift of miracles, was confined to the days of the apostles. Because there was no written New Testament to corroborate their preaching, God gave them miraculous abilities to confirm that they were indeed speaking for Him. And after, after the Holy Spirit had come in the New Testament age, then the only people that we ever know of who were able to do miracles were either the apostles or those whom the apostles personally commissioned. But miracles never extended beyond that. B.B. Warfield says, These miraculous gifts were part of the credentials of the apostles as the authoritative agents of God in founding the church. Their function was thus confined thus confined them to distinctively the apostolic church and they necessarily passed with it. When the apostles passed from the scene, so did the miracles. So these marvelous abilities to confirm the word occurred only when God was revealing his special revelation to men. And that revelation is now complete. The charismatics have it wrong. You know, I've heard people say, Lord, let it be like it was at Pentecost. Speaking of, you know, referring to uh, miracles and healings, etc. But that's not God's plan for this age. We say that miracles continue to occur today and that their only purpose is to confirm God's revelation. Then that means God would still be revealing his word through direct revelation today. And he is not. He is not. If he's still revealing his word, then your Bible is incomplete. The canon of Scripture is not completed. God's still speaking. And it means that Revelation 22, 18, and 19 is a lie. Because it says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. If God's still giving revelation today, then that's a lie. That divinely revealed curse makes it clear that the canon of Scripture is closed 
and that there is no more new revelation from God. But you see, if we believe that, if we believe that the Word of God is complete and the canon is closed and revelation from God has ceased, then there's no reason for any continuation of miracles. Because that's the purpose that God performs miracles. And so it's clear you study the Gospels and go through the book of Acts, that there is a progressive lessening of miracles. And by the time of Paul's epistles, miracles are gone. People become sick in Paul's epistles, and they stay sick, including Paul. Now, it is true that the Bible does indicate that there is going to be someday another period of miracles in the future uh, during what is referred to as the day of the Lord. Joel talks about that, but not in this present age. So, to summarize, what were miracles? They were signposts pointing to God's revelation. First in the living word, and then in the written word. But now that the reality has come, we don't need any more signposts. For example, I mean, think of it this way. A lot of kids are going off to college right now, and, you know, just suppose you sent your son or daughter to college, and uh, he or she moved away. And you may have his or her picture as a reminder of him or her, but when your son or daughter comes home, you don't stand looking at their picture. You enjoy the presence of your son or daughter. And that's the same way it is with God's revelation. Once the revelation has come and is complete, you don't need the signs anymore. These Temporary sign gifts were given only for a period of confirmation, and now their purpose is complete. Well, there's a second temporary sign gift, and that is the gift of healings. Healings. This gift is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, 9, and in verse 28 and 30. And again, I know this is somewhat controversial. And my purpose tonight is really not to attack anyone in any way. My purpose is to give, to the best of my ability, what God's Word teaches. And what I say, I want to be understood in a spirit of gentleness, a spirit of love, and in a spirit of concern for people who have not understood the truth about the subject of healing. And again, let me make something very, very clear right up front. Please do not assume by what I say that I do not believe that God heals. God heals often in answer to prayer. God can heal miraculously any time he chooses to do so. I do not question God's miraculous healing 
in response to the prayers of the saints. I've seen it. I've experienced it. But what I want you to understand is the difference between healing by God and the spiritual gift of healing. Those are two different things. There's a great difference between God healing someone immediately and God healing someone through a human instrument. God choosing to heal someone and the apostolic gift of healing are completely different. Now, I think we are aware that disease is a great human tragedy today. Disease is the number one human problem. And throughout the history of civilization, man has continually searched for cures for the terrible diseases that have plagued mankind. And you know, if you could choose your gifts, many of us would choose the gift of healing. You know, I have wished many times that I had the gift of healing as I stood beside the bedside and watched a child die of leukemia or some other disease. I wish I had the gift of healing. You know, I've watched people suffer and die, and I have wished that I could just heal them with a touch. But I can't. I can't. And every time I go to the hospital to visit someone who's sick, I have wished that I could just touch them and heal them instantly. I mean, you know, think about this. Wouldn't it be great if those who claim to have the gift of healing would go into the hospitals and empty them out? Wouldn't that be great? Why don't they do that? Why do they have to perform their so-called gift in an auditorium staged their way, run by their operation according to their own schedule? Why is that? Why aren't they in the hospitals? Why aren't they out there in the disease-infested nations where literally thousands are dying every day? Why? I believe it's because they don't really have the gift of healing. Now, how do I know? Well, because the spiritual gift of healing was a temporary sign gift given for the purpose of authenticating the New Testament Scriptures. And once the canon was closed, this gift ceased. But there are a lot of counterfeit claims being made today in this whole area of healing. For example, thousands of Christians have received in the mail a special miracle prayer cloth which says this, take this special miracle prayer cloth and put it under your pillow and sleep on it tonight. Or you may want to place it on your body or on a loved one. Use it as a release point wherever you hurt. First thing in the morning, though, send it back to me in the green envelope. Do not keep this prayer cloth. Return it to me. I'll take it. Pray over it all night, and miracle power will flow like a river. God has something better for you 
a special miracle to meet your needs. And, of course, you know why he wants you to send it back, right? He wants you to send some money with it when, he, when you send it back. But this is just one in a long line of claims that are being made today. All kinds of stuff like this. And television is inundated with Christian programming like that. In many ways, this is a misrepresentation of biblical Christianity. And people are claiming all kinds of wild and bizarre healings and miracles of all kinds. But I believe, as a result, that many unsaved people who see all that stuff are at least confused, and for some of them are totally turned off to the truth of the gospel. And not only that, but immature Christians who have not been well taught by the Word of God are easily pulled into this kind of fanaticism. And rather than growing into solid, mature disciples of Christ, they are enticed with an emotional, experience-oriented facade. Interestingly, the oldest of all these claims comes, of all places, from the Roman Catholic Church. They have claimed to be able to heal people with the bones of John the Baptist, bones of Peter, the relics of the cross... They have claimed to be able to heal at the shrines where Mary has supposedly appeared. They have claimed to be able to heal with vials of Mary's breast milk. But it's not just the Catholics. Mary Baker Eddy claimed to be able to heal through telepathy. And today there are charismatics who are making claims of all kinds of healings. You can turn on your TV and they will heal you from a distance, even on delayed tape. You say, well, what about people like the late Oral Roberts, the late Catherine Kuhlman, people like Benny Hinn? What are they doing? Healings seem to happen with them. Yes, it may seem as if Healings are taking place, but are they really? And again, I have never seen any of these people go and empty out the hospitals. In fact, Oral Roberts built a hospital. And some of these so-called faith healers can have some effect on some of the symptoms of those who are sick because of the power of the mind to temporarily relieve certain symptoms. And you get caught up in this hype, and there's a lot of power in that. But none of them has ever been able to heal organic diseases. A medical doctor who did extensive research into the healing ministry of the late Catherine Kuhlman concluded that ultimately not one incident of legitimate healing occurred. Now, why am I saying all this? Am I trying to attack these individuals who claim to have the gift of healing? No, 
But I do want you to know that there is another way to view the claims of these faith healers. If you compare modern faith healers with the healing of Jesus and the apostles, there is a stark contrast. How did Jesus heal? He healed instantly, totally, with a word or a touch. The people he healed did not have relapses like those of faith healers today have when they are supposedly healed. Jesus and the apostles were able to heal organic diseases, broken limbs, blindness, deafness, birth defects, even raise the dead. And I wish those today who claim to have this gift would spend more time in funeral parlors raising the dead. So when someone says this, they say, well, you know, you have to believe their claims. Look at all the evidence. You should just respond by saying, what evidence? Where are the organic, spontaneous healings? Where are the healings of broken bones. Where's the evidence? Or when someone says, well, I believe it because it is based on the sound teaching of the Bible that by his stripes we are healed. Folks, that is a gross misrepresentation of Isaiah 53.5. That's not what that means. It's not talking about physical healing there at all. It's talking about the spiritual healing of salvation. But let's go back to the heart of the matter in closing tonight. The purpose for the spiritual gift of healing was similar to that of all the temporary sign gifts. They were all given to show the authority and the validity of Christ's claims and the apostles' teaching. They were all given for verification of God's authority. And I'm not saying that God does not do miracles and that he does not sometimes heal someone. Sometimes he does. And God in his sovereignty can do anything he chooses to do in accordance to his divine attributes. But there's no evidence biblically or practically, that anyone today is operating the spiritual gift of healing or the gift of miracles. And if God chooses to heal someone, that is his divine providence and privilege. And he may, at times he does, heal in response to the prayers of his people. But let's not confuse God's healing in response to prayer with the ability to heal everyone at will as was the case with Jesus and the apostles. So we need to understand the difference in the terms that we're using. Well, we'll pick it up here next time. We'll see another aspect of this uh, next week. Closing song. Let's pray. We're going to sing, and then we'll do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. 
We thank you that uh, you have given us instructions concerning uh, the gifts. And, Lord, we pray to help us to have a good understanding, a healthy understanding of, of what these gifts are and which ones are permanent, which ones are temporary, and not to hang on to the ones that were temporary, uh, whose purpose has already been fulfilled. But, Lord, help us to uh, be about the, the things that you've called us to do by using the permanent gifts uh, in the body of Christ. And, Lord, help us to do that faithfully to you. In Jesus' name, amen.